If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. This is the Change Physician, episode 235. Welcome back. I'm Melissa Katie, the Challenge Doctor, with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro. We were just talking about how we pronounce names. And we're here with our returning guests, Acacia and Billy Caterley. Did I say it right? That's correct. All right. I did it. Well, thank you for coming back. There's some good news uh, on the front. I understand you have your fifth edition of the Adventurer's Guide to Early Retirement, uh, a new perspective. Um, we're kind of curious, Kevin and I were talking before on got on the air as to what prompted you to go with the fifth edition? What, what's, what was different or needed to be changed about it? Well, um, there's a lot of changes in the book, and we are now 70 years old, and we're in our 33rd year of retirement. Yes. And so, you know, the last couple of years with all the COVID stuff and the challenge to traveling and um, everything that, and then we got, we've had a two-year bear market. And so all those things created some uh, uh, obstacles and opportunities. Absolutely. And so- one of the bylines in our book is, are you seeing windows or walls? And we think that's important. Um, um, we're just natural optimists. And uh, so we always try to look for what what is the best thing that we can do to optimize the situation as it happens, as it comes to us. And that financially, uh, emotionally, um, health-wise, whatever that whatever Travel that wise medical-wise. We get a lot of re, uh, email from our people from our readers and that oftentimes generates articles from us and and we put some of that information into the book so people were asking about several things and you know uh, boomers are wondering if they can retire or assisted living any of those kinds of things you know medical care that type of thing so all of that generated new material for us and so we decided that book needed to be updated absolutely what oh, go ahead, a Excuse me. A lot of a lot of people. Well, you know, we know people that 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 were plan. They've got the finances, and they were planning on retiring a couple of years or a year and a half, two years ago, and then this bear market came about, and they they pulled back. And um, uh, you know, there's some fear there of, of letting go. And when you've got a job, mm-hmm. and you know, you've got some income coming in, and you can you can still invest in the markets, um, but there's, you know, it's. It, you have to, in our opinion, you got to, you got to, once you get there, you got to figure it out. You know, you got to cut your, and just, just do it. I mean, you got that far in life that uh, you you're you can figure problems out and, problem and figure out how to manage yourself. And so, you know, you got to have some confidence in yourself. That's for sure. And there's never a perfect time to retire. No. Never. <laughs> Yeah. But, and that's what I wanted to kind of pull in early here is this, this idea of kind of transitioning. And for those of you who don't remember when we had our first interview with you guys, I think what is absolutely amazing is your story where you basically transitioned into this financial independence, early retirement, and you were 38, I think, or 39, 39. So this is your fourth, literally your fourth decade going into this. And so um, to start off, because your book is dense. I mean, we were looking at this over 300 and something pages. You're covering a ton of material here. But what I also found really interesting was there's a large section on kind of the mindset and transition that occurs with this. And I think a lot of people aren't going to, you know, some people are so focused on, I'm just going to retire. If I get to this magic date or whatever, then my life is going to change miraculously. But you bring up some really good points. And so I'm kind of curious with your four decades of experience here, what were the difficult mindset hurdles that you had when you transitioned from being kind of the employer entrepreneur state into this financial independent state? Well, do you want to say, go ahead. Well, we have realized over the years and after having spoken with other people who want to retire or have retired, that the money is not the issue. What the issue is the emotional component of taking that leap. And that can be everything from 
Who am I without my job? How am I going to support myself? What am I going to do with my time? Uh, relationships with family, with friends. Sometimes that changes quite a bit. If somebody gets ill, if a spouse gets ill, your, your older parents might get ill, something like that. Or if you choose to travel and one of the spouses decides they, they thought they wanted to travel, but they didn't really. Or maybe you move overseas and they say, oh, nope, this isn't for us. It's all the emotional stuff that, you know, it looks good on paper. But that's probably the most difficult minefield to manage. And it's it's your own personal flexibility, your own emotional strength. That is the challenge. I think not having a paycheck on Friday is an emotional upset for some people. And now in our particular case, um, we were entrepreneurs owning a restaurant. And then I became a stockbroker branch manager. And my pay was never guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I worked on a commission basis. And um and so I was used to that, you know, I was, you know, when we owned a restaurant, we got paid last, you know, whatever's left over after all the employees and bills get paid. That's what the, that's what the owners get. Um, so we were kind of used to not having a paycheck. So I think that was a little bit of our, to advantage, of an advantage to us. And in the book, I outline a way to get a paycheck on Fridays, if that's in fact what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it seems like you're, you, you both of you were accustomed to the, discomfort of uncertainty if that's kind of <laughs> so, to say the least yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't know that it ever gets any easier i mean no, no. you do get more practiced at it but it's still something uncertain is uncertain i mean yeah. we know, you know none of us know what tomorrow's going to bring and yeah. uh you know i was in guatemala when uh uh they, they've shut down the country i was there with a friend of mine um and then they shut down in March of 2020, they, we got in there three days later, they shut the airport, the borders, public transportation. And fortunately, I occasionally I'd been in and out of that country numerous times by land. And so this other fellow I was with, I told him, look, we're gonna get out of here. We decided we needed to get out of there because we weren't gonna get stuck in Guatemala. And so uh, we hired a coyote to get us out. And that's that's how we did it. We bribed away through checkpoints and um, and got to the Mexican border. You gotta be and creative. Kissed the ground. <laughs> you gotta be creative. Yeah. And trust yourself. So. Yeah. Well, that's self-efficacy. I mean, that's that's a something that people don't. Not everyone has that or the confidence to to if be they travel, If they travel. <laughs> If they travel with me, they're going to get it. <laughs> well, and I, and I think that the a lot of that is 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 traveling without um, I was having trying to like, like handrails or something, or because there's yes. a lot of people who say they travel, but they're not. I mean, if you're, there's traveling in doing it, basically being American in a different place. And then there's traveling where you're actually embedding yourself within the new environment that you are and trying to adapt to that new environment. And, and I and I think that's really what we're, t- we're kind of talking about, this idea between moving from this field of certainty, where there's either certainty of paycheck or certainty of social economic standing or certainty of social standing, et cetera, and moving into this uncertain realm and being able to be very flexible with it. And it, it made me think of this quote, which is people prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. And so could we, can we explore that a little bit more with people that you have? I mean, cause again, I'm just going to keep going back to this for the audience here. I mean, I'm just amazed by you guys. I mean, this is literally four decades. So you guys are like my heroes when it comes to this stuff. Because <laughs> all, all these so people nice talk about it. And we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And we're going to early retire, but they either haven't done it or they've done it for two years or they, or they've done it, but then they've transitioned in such a way that they're, the retirement is being funded by telling other people about how they re- can retire kind of a deal. Um, so that's, I, I just like having you guys on specifically because of your experiences here. And so when you are, you. when you've worked with the people that you've worked with and seen the people that you have over the last 30 plus 40 years, how, how would you recommend people move into this comfortableness with uncertainty or are there some, I know you outlined some of them in the book. Could you give us some examples, though, for, for the listeners today? Sure. Um, you know, one thing we like to mention in the book, and it's, I believe it's a chapter, it's, it's, it's a lifestyle, not a vacation, when you're regarding travel. And so many people treat it as a vacation. So they, they start, you know, staying in, in um, ex- more exclusive places or even uh, um, all-inclusive places. Um, 
and and we we prefer to get get down and dirty with the locals the best we can and you know we still we'd like to stay in nice places but but we go on the street for you know street food or uh whatever it is we need um so that's just been our style from the get-go and that that's built confidence in us to 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 be able to handle uh, awkward situations one of the things we'd recommend if, in terms of like starting today right now is to just get out of your routine, um, be willing to break that routine. Routine is, can be really comfortable. We, everybody likes routine. Yeah. I mean, we've got ours. And um, and people have said before, the, uh, other travelers, like the hardest step is getting out of the uh, reclining chair <laughs> and go to the door. Once you're <laughs> out the door, then it's like you're you're going, you know yeah. what I mean? But just breaking that routine seems scarier than it actually really is. And um, because a routine, it's comfortable, but then it can just become like a grave or then you become afraid of what's on the other side of the door. Okay, so you're going to break your routine. routine. So you order something different off the menu. You walk on the other side of the street. You wear a new color or whatever you are a new hat new pair of socks you, you know and then because then you're going well that's not really me or what do people say or well i don't what if i don't like that thing on the menu you see what i'm saying mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. like the world does not stop if somebody does not like your socks you know what i mean yeah. i mean it, it's going to be okay it really is and so though if you can handle just the uh anxiety of that and maybe somebody might say something kiddingly or jokingly or critically. If you can handle that, so you've, you've got it started, you've got the movement started, and then you can move along from there and just be open to new information. A lot of people, they know what they know and they're good at what they know, but it's really hard to learn something new or be open to something new. And right now the world's changing so fast mm -hmm. that you can be left behind in a blink of an eye. Yeah. I mean, even, even, Today we're adjusting to traveling because of, of I don't neither one of us want to get locked into a country again. And mm -hmm. there's some countries that are flirting and some doing uh, masking again, and uh, and you know what that leads to next we don't know. And so we say okay, we're just not even going to bother with that country. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know we're looking to go to Asia um, and Europe this year, and uh, you know we're we're both just watching watching the news and some websites that we watch and other travelers that have been there recently and what they're saying, things like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm curious talking, we're talking about adapting and, and modifying. I'm curious when it comes to, when you go back to your book and all the additions and talking about mindset, do you, and it always seems like, you know, they always say every 10 years, you kind of have a different outlook on life and, and whatnot. Do you mm -hmm. feel like the additions have, kind of shifted with your mindset or you think the additions are more just additional information you just learned along the way do you feel like that was um like just the strengthening of the mindset or the shift in the mindset has been part of those addition changes yeah i think both and the fact that we just turned 70 mm -hmm. um you know that that's that's changed our ourselves i mean we're we're not as spry as we were and, and <laughs> you know, but, but, but you know it's hard <laughs> to admit that you know what yeah. i'm saying I mean, uh, my mind is one of a teenager, but my body is, you know, it's, it's, it's moving slower. So, you know, you know, we have a we have a line in the book that now we're you know pass the pass the uh, ibuprofen, please. Yeah, that's just life. I mean, yeah. you know, we're realist about that, and so we adapt our style to that. Yeah, we're really freedom oriented, and and that's that's one of the our driving passions is to not be locked in you know we may be slower but we're not stopped you know and this last year uh with covid we lost friends and family members and that jars you you mm -hmm. know we're not uh invulnerable we're not forever and and that brought about a whole lot of like if we're going to do this we're going to do it now or we're not going to do it you know it's not forever yeah i think there's a saying out there it's the uh, it's the go go years the slow go years and the no-go years. I love that. <laughs> well, you know, we're we're we are not in the no-go. No, we're not in the no-go. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we definitely are slowing down a bit though. Which is okay. Which is you know, yeah. We still like having two-hour lunches. Yeah. Two-hour lunches. That sounds good. It's just a little less go-go. None. A little less. That's little, yeah. Yeah. A little less go-go. <laughs> well, and and I want because you bring up a lot in again in in your book where you 
talk about like healthcare. And then you, I did like the chapter where you're talking about kind of assisted living and sort of that transition towards the end, because, you know, I, I look at things of what holds people up and it's like, oh, well, do I have enough money? Am I going to do this? And, and, and a lot of the little Facebook groups I'm in, man, people, I, 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 there's, I've seen people quote, like, well, you have to save a million dollars for your, um, for your assisted living care and you have to do and which is, first of all, it just like blows my mind period. Cause you know, do what you guys do and go out and travel and stay in shape and, you know, keep your minds rested so that you don't have to worry about that. But, um, the chapter that you were talking about assisted living as compared to the United States versus somewhere else. Could you kind of go into those details? Cause I don't think people think about those options so much, or maybe think, Hey, you know, I'd like to go to like Chapala and, and do what the caterlies do, but you know, I am scared about health or scared about this. Sure. I think that's a real um, valid point. And I think talk about uh, getting out of the box, you know, like I said, we've gotten older, we've had parents die on us, we've had relatives be in assisted living. Um, my aunt had uh, dementia and her seven children were paying thousands of dollars each a month for the care that she was receiving in the States. And, you know, uh, initially 10,000 a month was a doable. And then they finally, you know, then it was 8,000 and then it was seven and six and 5,000. And finally she had to go on Medicaid because it bankrupted everything and everyone. Okay, so, you know, this is years watching this. And of course we've known other people. Meanwhile, especially here in Mexico, um, the, the Mexican people understand that the boomers and Americans and Canadians have this issue with healthcare. They, it's very expensive in our home countries. And so they're offering more um, options for assisted living. Like it's a booming business is what I'm trying to say. And you can get a very decent place to live with all your meals and transportation and a Wi-Fi and laundry and cleaning and all that kind of stuff for $2,000 a month. You can add on to that package. There's another place uh, just right up the road that gives you a wellness program. They have a memory care. There's swimming pools and, and uh, restaurants on the property and gymnasiums and all that kind of stuff. And along with everything else I just mentioned, I mean, your personal medication, your incontinent supplies, those are not included, but um a lot of these places have doctors and nurses on property, or they come for three times a week visit. You know what I'm saying? And those those prices, you can own the place, you can rent the place, you can buy the land, you can not buy the land. So there's just like a, an active adult community, except that it's an assisted living community. And there's this is just the beginning. You know, the boomers are just now kind of the older boomers are now uh, into that assisted living um, era, but there's all these other people from behind us that are coming in. So these these countries, not just Mexico, but they see this as a business opportunity, and they want to give you what you need. And because of things are cheaper here, everything from rent to wages to supplies, they're able to give you what you want for a much more affordable price. In our situation, our our plan is to uh, just hire somebody. Um, to come and check on us or come and take care of us the best to uh, you know as far as we can maintain the living in the same place mm -hmm. people and, have excuse me honey, but um, people some those people who have their own property will often build a casita mm -hmm. on their property and so that will be where the live-in care person will live and then they give a salary plus food and so on and and that kind of stuff people who like us who live in apartments we would just rent out another apartment so that mm. that person would be here right. on the complex check with us several times a day cook for us or take our laundry out or whatever it is and we're still in the uh culture that you can have doctor visits or visiting nurses they come to your home yes. so and you know in our particular area we can basically walk anywhere to all of our doctors and we've got dozens of pharmacies all within walking distance and so on so this is very although the mexicans do not put their family into assisted living because it's a cultural thing americans and canadians are coming down and even people from europe and england you know that whole area that uh Western Europe, 
are coming here for the assisted living care because wow. it's affordable. The weather's really good. People are uh, kind and warm, you know, emotionally warm. And they respect their elders here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's yeah. a that's a big deal. A lot of options. Wow. You know, you made me think of something I read <clears throat> in your book about keeping the care in healthcare, um, essentially. Um, do you mind addressing that? Like even, you know, not necessarily Mexico, but maybe some of the other things you've seen and, and some of the health things that you went through, there was some things you noted about that. Well, we've been, we've had uh, uh, situations where we've used medical care in, uh, in Thailand and we went to a Bumograd hospital to uh, uh, have a series of tests done. And that's a, that's an internationally accredited hospital. It's where, kings and presidents go um you wouldn't even notice it's a hospital until you get on the third floor otherwise it looks like a five-star hotel mm -hmm. and they give you a translator and all the doctors speak english and i've worn eyeglasses since i was three years old and i i had i've had eye exams every year since i was a young young man and I, that was the most extensive eye exam i'd ever had in my life is what they did over there mm -hmm. um uh, so that's one example. Acacia injured her finger in Guatemala, and she almost lost it by uh, degloving it. And, mm. and mm. we had to get her in for emergency care, and then and the plastic surgeon in Guatemala City. And uh, we we had all I think that whole experience over about uh, two or three weeks cost us about three thousand dollars. Wow! <laughs> yeah, and the part about the care—it's not uncommon for these doctors to give you their personal cell phone numbers. Correct. So that you can, you know, if you're having trouble or an issue with a medication, or if you become frightened because something's not right, you can call them yes. or you can WhatsApp them. A lot of them will just respond to you on WhatsApp. You can send them photographs of something like your medicine or your swollen finger or whatever it is. You can send them the picture, you know. I'm in touch with my cardio doc daily. I just let him know that I'm still living. <laughs> <laughs> It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he, he tells me to come in. He get, he says, okay, I want to see you in so many months or whatever. I said, boy, you're optimistic. You know, I said. <laughs> <laughs> like well, in I'm, Thailand when we, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. In Thailand, when we were there, obviously uh, for us, Spanish is easier to speak than Thai. And so they they give you a translator. And one of the things that both of those cultures in Thailand um, and also, well, in Asia, I guess, in general, really, and in Latin America, is they do respect their elders. They have a lot of deference to older people. And so we'd have this young Thai person practicing her English, going from doctor to doctor, wheeling us around and making sure that we're not afraid, making sure that we're warm enough or cool enough, making sure we have a glass of water or whatever it is, you know, the orange juice after we've had a blood drawn or whatever and the same is here um it's just it's wonderful to be recognized you know people will help you across the street they'll give you the their their bus seat you know because they they notice we have more silver in their hair and more hair than they do you know it, it's a it's a caring culture we're not a number that's the difference when you go to the doctor here um they're not going to rush you out mm -mm. The, the first thing they're going to do is ask you about your family and then you ask them about their family and that's where that's where the whole thing starts and it, it's a it's a relationship you don't feel like um you feel like they're, they're they they have a vested interest in you and you're not just a number you're not just a, a, a i don't know how else to say it than just a number being pushed through the system you know that and like a case you said they will i'm like i'm on whatsapp with every doctor i've ever had here yeah uh, i'm curious because the litigiousness of the u.s do you and because WhatsApp, I don't think of it as like a HIPAA compliant or not that they have HIPAA per se in those words, but like a patient privacy. Is there ever in a concern or expression of, no. yeah, there's a lot of trust, no. it seems like. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of, yes, I can see where you would call it trust, but there's also like a lot of common sense. This is the easiest yeah. way to do it. Yeah. Um, if you do read that section in our book about receiving medical care in Chapala. I was just in a, I called it a cascading series of events where just everything kind of came together. And I mean, I'm WhatsApping people, I'm getting getting general x-rays of my whole mouth, I'm getting you know, x-rays of this and that and EKGs and everything. And everything's flying over the the WhatsApp and, and digital from the 
mouth x-ray to the doctor and I have the hard copies. And I mean, it's, it's like, it's common sense. And it's like, you want to get it done or you don't, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, everyone is very, um, or like, for instance, I don't always tolerate antibiotics very well. My stomach just goes into knots. And so I'll, with one doctor, I'd say, look, you know, can you do this without antibiotics? I mean, can you do this fixing me without um, wrecking my stomach? And so he would, he, you know, he'd look at his options and he, he works with you, right? And we have acupuncturists and massage therapists and naturopaths and um regular western doctors and eastern doctors and they work with you you're part of a team yeah yeah very personalized keeping it personal yes. <laughs> it's like the 50s in my opinion in the u.s yeah. um you know where you had the, the doctor who had his he was you know three doors down yeah. and that was his office it might have been in his home and yeah. You know, if, you, if something happens, you call him and he can't come over. They'll, they come to our place if yeah. necessary. Yeah. You you make me think of like a total topic that would go off on a tangent that we could spend an hour talking about is why is it we don't respect our elders or why is it we've become this problem? That's yeah. looks like you want to make you a know, comment about that occasion. <laughs> yeah. I will. I will. I think it goes back to the individualism that our country was founded on. Yeah. And and we're all pioneers, or we have pioneer blood in us, mm-hmm. and that that is what um, I don't want to fragment in the family, but we have no problem moving out and moving across the country, yeah. you know, or, or being being offered a job on the other side of the country mm-hmm. or, or whatever. I mean, we don't think twice about that stuff. Well, well, in the Latin culture, it's it's really family oriented, mm-hmm. and and they really. Uh, I mean, they'll live, they'll all live in one house if they can or whatever. It's, or if they don't, they live near their parents or kids or whatever. There's a little bit of give and take, you know, like Billy and I are very freedom oriented. You know, we both moved out of our, our original homes when we were young. I mean, I was a teenager and, you know, I moved across the country from Ohio to California when I was 21. You know, my grandparents on both sides came from uh, Europe for a better life so like that uh itchy feet or whatever that independence you know runs through my blood um at the same time like billy was saying you know the family does get fragmented mm-hmm. and um whereas here you know there's people everybody lives in the same house you know you know everybody since you were a child you know you know their grandparents you know everybody like that but there might not be as much freedom to come and go or think differently out of the box or whatever because everybody's got eyes on you yeah so (laughs) but it's always going to be a balance between freedom and security and you know individuality and belonging with a group that supports you that those are like human conditions yeah Yeah. but it is fascinating that Canadians, uh, Americans, the Western, you know, Western Europe, that they're flocking to an environment that has that sense of closeness mm-hmm. and connectedness. I mean, don't yes. you find the irony of that? Like, interesting. Very, yeah. much, very much so. I, I can tell you personally that this is the first time in my life, well, I mean, since we've been living in Chapala, is that I felt part of the community. Mm-hmm. In other places, you know, I was just a neighbor or whatever. You uh, drive home, you, your garage door goes up, you go into the house, go into the kitchen from the garage door, you know, from the, and then you don't see your people. But I do think that, um, I mean, Americans are very ambitious, or at least we used to be, but I think you can still be authentic and love those around you and be honest and real and still be ambitious and still mm-hmm. travel and still do things, you know, be your own person, have your own mind. Like Billy and I were discussing earlier today, um, just i think it's healthy to have a disagreement with someone and still remain friends if you like chocolate and i like vanilla what's the big deal you know and a lot of people they like end the relationship if you don't like their flavor which i how do you ever learn anything new you know i'd rather the one with the best ideas wins you know let's have part of your idea and part of mine you know why can't we have an ice cream sundae you know what i'm saying so, and I think people, a lot of times it will cut another person out because you don't agree with them. And, and like in the Latin culture, for instance, you can fight or have a, win a game of tennis, you know, and cuss and everything. And then you have a beer after the game. Yeah. You know? Wow. You should be projecting that to the world, especially to America. I mean, with the last few years, we could use that kind of guidance. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Most definitely. 
Kevin, sorry, I've been like usurping uh, the questions in time. No, that's good. Because <laughs> uh, there's so much to cover and there are so many interesting. Um, oh, I love the, I mean, I started going into, I was like, oh my goodness, there's 327 pages of amazing wisdom that I need to to get. Uh, and I, I, I need to slow down and you. read this and, and, and really, really take my time through all this because it, for people that have a sense of adventure and independence, um, I can relate to that. There's, there's so much um, um, optimism and also gives you a sense of security knowing that you've been through that and gives you an idea mm -hmm. of the possibilities of freedom and how you can set yourself up for that. So um, that's I'm, what we hope to convey. That's yeah. exactly right. Well, which it. wants to, wants me to, I kind of want to lead me into yeah. one of my more interesting chapters here is how to fail <laughs> at early retirement. So I love that. <laughs> you guys have had a lot of exposure here, and I'm sure you've seen people who have thrived and people who haven't thrived. So if you had to pick some of the, the, the criteria for like, how are you going to fail at early retirement? What are the top three or four that you would say? Um, definitely um, being stubborn or stuck in a box. You go from one box to another box and you don't allow new information to come in. Housing is one of the largest categories of expenditure in anybody's uh, budget, whether you're retired or no matter what you're doing. And some people want to live in a particular city or in a particular neighborhood because of the status or the access to whatever, you know, theater or fine restaurants. But but if it's costing you an arm and a leg, you know, we knew someone who was making $250,000 annually passive income and couldn't afford San Francisco. You know what I'm saying? So there's lots of um, international cutting edge the theater and fine cuisine places all around the world that don't cost that much or just drive into town, have access to it from another a town, a town nearby. So I would say housing is definitely housing costs is definitely one. Being stuck, you know, into your box. I, I think I think some people uh, they either need a hobby or something because or they don't have a list of what they want to accomplish um, or what direction they want to go once they retire because uh, you know it just it's not going to come to you and they get bored and so now they you know they don't know what to do uh, uh, so they're just wandering they're like a fish out of water. Because they're they're used to having a, a structured job, or they're used to being somebody in a job, and now all of a sudden the phone doesn't ring, or they uh, nobody asks for for advice, and they're just like lost. You know, I'm they're getting tired of playing tennis, or, or tired of going to the golf course with the same foursome, and and so at some point they just don't know what to do, so they want to they start looking for work. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. Or like too much time with the spouse. Which, which yeah, yeah. Uh, which I have no problem with work. I mean, you know, but no, that's a big one. Too much time with the spouse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we know people. Um, yeah. You know, Keisha, Keisha <laughs> and I worked together. You know, we 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 were in an RV together. Uh, you know, we're used to we're used to tight spaces and being close to each other all the time. But not all couples can do that. And so you need to have, have time to yourself. You need to have a, something that interests you, a hobby or, you know, you can even like travel on your own if you want to. Or yes. like, you know, some people want to uh, grow the roses in their garden and have an herb garden and have a couple dogs and that kind of stuff. And the other person wants to travel. Well, OK, so blend it. You know, the person who wants to travel, go. Yeah. You know, go for two weeks, three weeks, two months, whatever, and then con contact their spouse with photos and and face talk and whatever, and 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 bring them bring the spouse in. But don't look at the other your your partner like you're keeping me from my happiness. I, no, you're not. You're keeping mm -hmm. you from your happiness. I I, I travel a lot in, here in Mexico with other guys and with Acacia, but I always ask Acacia if she wants to go. It's her call because sometimes mm -hmm. she's she's got a real craft thing going here. And so she likes working with crafts and sometimes she just likes to have time to herself mm -hmm. and me out of the way. And that's fine. You know, I go off on these different towns or whatever with a couple other guys and, and we are, we do our thing and I come back. And then sometimes I say, we got, I got to bring you back here because this and this and this, you know, yeah. so. You know, you know, I'm curious, some of the things I've come across with people who, interesting, of course, in my work, people who've retired, and and it's always interesting to see the differences in perspective. Some that were prepared for it and had the hobbies already, and then those that just, like, they worked, filled their space so much with just work that they they just fall flat on their face, not having any hobbies. Right. 
And, you know, we're talking a lot about the mental aspect to, you know, retiring and, and whatnot, but I'm curious what your take is on this. And because I feel like it's, you know, through the years you start recognizing who you are, or maybe I need to do more of an inward journey to understand what I'm all about or what makes me happy. And um, you see quotes that say, um, finding yourself or, but I'm curious, and there's no right or wrong answer, I guess. I'm curious what it is you feel helps you understand yourself. Is it finding yourself or creating yourself? Like, do you, what do you think it is? Interesting. I think it's both actually because you do create yourself. I mean, you know, you create the environment that you're in. If you're not a curious person, you know, you don't learn anything new. You don't try anything new. And so you're just creating the same thing day after day or the same uh, pattern day after day. And so you do create who you are. I mean, we know people that um, were engineers that decided they wanted to take up acting. Well, they created that, you know what I'm saying? And they, you know, they maybe were as good as they could be or whatever, but um, you you try something new or maybe, maybe you wanted to bicycle across whatever, you know, or hike the Appalachian Trail. You know, you, you take an option and you move into that, you know, yeah. you've got to make it. You can't, you just don't sit on the couch going, okay, wait for come it to me. To show up. <laughs> yeah. Again, like a case has said, the hardest part is that first step yeah. to get out the door. And once you're out the door, things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is the hard thing. Cause that whole thing about, you know, like you said, Kevin, the whole misery thing, <laughs> like, I mean, we yeah. all create these habits. The comfort of misery versus. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. there is an element of stepping outside your routine and your habits in order to discover or entertain mm-hmm. the possibilities of something else you might fall in love with. But, exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And you'll never know unless you do it. Yeah, we, I grew up with the phrase that they people would rather stay with the devil they know than deal with the devil they don't know. It's the <laughs> same thing that you just said, but because yeah. it's it's fearful, you know. Yeah, I'm miserable, the stinks and everything, but it's so scary out there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. That overprotectiveness. We think it's keeping us safe, but it's keeping us sometimes from In the box. lights. Yes. 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 Well, and, and I think this coming up brings us full circle to the beginning to something that you said, you go, it's never about the money, right? So there's a, there's some base amount. You actually have to have funds coming in, but sure. through this discussion, hearing somebody who's, you know, earning 250,000 through passive income versus somebody who's making 40,000, the, as long as you're flexible, you're going to find, you're going to be able to do what you wish to do. And I think that may be important, particularly for our particular audience, is because there's this idea, it has to be this, it has to be this, it has to be this. And if I never hit this number, I can never retire. So um, if you want to expand on that a little bit more, because what what was your uh, beginning portfolio? How about how much was it when you started? 500,000. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I think that, and that's that some people like, oh my God, how can they must be eating nothing every day. So, <laughs> Do I look like that? I'm sorry, I got, I got sidetracked. Uh, that it's just not just the money. And when we started off with how much we had, $500,000. You know, I, I, I go back where, where you have to have some confidence in yourself and, and, um, the money's important, but nobody knows the future. Like, like uh, we've gone through four bear markets now. This is our fourth bear market that we've experienced. And in the 2007, eight one, that made us reconsider things at one point. We'd already been retired for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since 91, so we had about 15 years in. And, and what we did is I used that as an opportunity to restructure our portfolio. Mm-hmm. And get away. I got away from using quote mutual funds into using ETFs because they were more versatile, and they mm-hmm. traded in real time. Um, and then we also restructured it in a way that produced a little bit more income, so we had more cash flow. Mm-hmm. And that's where you you know the difference between us now and we were five, 10, 20 years ago is that we are we are moving our we are ever so moving our 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 accounts or our finances into income mass more income producing things and we'll, because we don't we have growth now we, mm-hmm. we we're we're good so it's just um 
you know, cash flow is also good and we can always reinvest it if we want to. Mm -hmm. I, I hope that answered some of your question. I, I, well, it, it does because it also kind of makes sense is where you, when you 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 stopped when you were young, so your actual physical flexibility was much greater. And if, if I remember from the first interview, you guys did a lot more traveling and you and and you did it in kind of the backpacky way, you know, the the hardcore traveling way, if we want to say that. And and that brings me back to the kind of thing because there's all these there's all these portfolio drawdown strategies, you know, when they're talking about the the 4% roll on things like that. And they're like, project your lifespan and then you can withdraw this much per year. And there's if never made knew. a whole lot, huh? I'm sorry. If we only knew when we're good. If die, we only, well, that's, and that's the thing that it, it, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so what it kind of seems like you did is you had your portfolio that you had your income. And what it really sounds like when you were initially going out is you were spending less than you were bringing, than your portfolio was growing. So your, your portfolio yes. was growing the whole time. And right. then after a set period of time, when you went through um, 2000, did you say the 2007? It was the 2007. Yeah, 2007 was big one. Yeah. So then you start looking at it. It you you kind of readjust that point, but it just it it just kind of made me think about that. Is when one of the things that you can do to kind of cut some of this uncertainty is sort of move into this retirement phase and stuff is is doing something very similar. Is just making sure that your income is not more than your or your expenses are not more than your income, right? So we're not looking right. at necessarily a drawdown strategy anymore. It's just kind of making what is your finances and then making sure that, you know, you're not overdrawing or or depleting your nest egg so much. Right. And one other thing, because, you know, when you said somebody's somebody's got their number, they're there, you know, they're there. Now what? Well, if they're concerned, they can geo-arbitrage, which is mm -hmm. something we stumbled into. Now, that wasn't that word wasn't invented back in 91. Yeah. Uh, but But moving south of the border, and, um, you know, our dollar goes a lot further down here. We can live on, I mean, the last year, I think we lived on $35,000. And we're pushing it. We're trying to spend We're trying money. to spend money. <laughs> we're trying to spend money. You know, <laughs> uh, you know and, and, and uh, it, it just, how much is it? I mean, that you, people, people would be surprised the difference between the U.S. and here. Like the egg thing right now. You, what are you guys paying? Eight, nine dollars a dozen for eggs or something? I don't know. Um, a lot more apparently. <laughs> we apparently we stocked up before it crashed or something. I'm like, I we, have, I, we have all these eggs. I'm like, wow, man, we can just, you know, maybe we need to save these for the future. But no, uh, sell, them, sell them on eBay. Right. Egg arbitrage. <laughs> they're they're uh, uh, a buck and a quarter a dozen here. Hmm. So, you know, we don't, we didn't have these shortages. Like when the toilet paper shortage was crazed up in the U.S. Well, yeah. that that wasn't anything here. Yeah, of course. So some of this stuff, I just scratched my head and said, What's I think going some on? of this some of this stuff is manufactured up there because, you know, they're blaming the egg thing on the avian flu. Well, I guess those birds don't fly south. <laughs> you know, I guess I, I don't. Maybe that wall's taller than we think, and they can't get across. I don't know, but, but we certainly don't have these issues here. <laughs> but you buy you buy those affordable little bidets, and so you don't you don't need as much toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My sister's paying fifty cents an egg. We're paying eleven cents an egg. I'm going. What's the matter with you guys? You know? oh, so so you you have family in the states, right? Mm -hmm. What do they think about you guys? How come they're not down yeah. there with you? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> well, you know that's changed over the years. Yes. We did not get a whole lot of support in the beginning, but as time has gone on, you know, my sister told me the other day, you really made a good decision moving to Mexico, you know, because <laughs> they're, they're experiencing a lot of inflation and like I said about the egg thing and, and there's different tax laws and, you know, they've structured their full portfolio differently and so on. And like we've mentioned, we're trying to spend more money. I mean, we're staying in better hotels. We're doing more traveling. We're going out to eat. We're picking up the tabs. We're giving away gifts. I mean, it's like, geez, Louise, you know how much, you know, I mean, you know, it's all relative, but. Now, now, now excuse me, there's inflation down here as well. Mm. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to kid you, but, but generally what happens is once inflation, inflation gets to a point, then the peso will devalue. Mm -hmm. And that, that keeps things in, in, uh, a good relationship with us, us in the U.S. dollar. Mm -hmm. so. gotcha. Wow, I just I I I'm so inspired by you two. No, thank <laughs> you. Seriously. I'm so glad. I mean, we know I know a guy down here lives on eleven hundred dollars Social Security, and he's got a, a girlfriend. He's got a girlfriend. <laughs> they go out. <laughs> yeah, 
and, and he lends her money. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't lend, he, I, I should take that back. He doesn't lend her money, he gives her money because he never sees it again. <laughs> wow. So, so I'm, uh, this may be a dumb question, but like if you retire and you become like a resident in Mexico, you should still be getting your checks, even if it goes into an outside bank from the U.S. Yeah. to like Mexico. Yes, yeah, we, yes, we get Social Security. We have we have our accounts structured in the United States, and okay. and because through the nine eleven and the banking laws and all the stuff, you we need to have a domicile in the U.S. Mm-hmm. for banking purposes. Gotcha. And so, but but so our our Social Security gets direct deposited into that account or I those see. accounts. Okay. And then we withdraw through ATMs down here or anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, makes sense. Okay, great. Well, I know those details matter. I mean, when you're oh, they matter. Yeah, us expats are always talking about this because things are always changing. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we're always concerned about the banking situation, whether or not they're going to put another rule in that could trip people up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big one. I know. I know our, a friend of mine who got caught up with. Uh, with his brokerage account, he tried to open a third brokerage account. Um, it was all with the same company, but it was a different account within that company. And they shut it down because they said, no, this is a PO box. This is not a, uh, you don't live there. Mm. Yeah. And so he got caught up with that. And uh, he, he just, he said, okay, just don't do it then. Mm. He didn't want to mess with the, with the other accounts. Wow. Hmm. So have you guys created a permanent residency in mexico or have you are you yes okay. yeah we are per, it was about four years ago this month that we we applied and received our permanent okay. residence permanente is what they call it and that's exactly what it means it doesn't mean we have to live here it doesn't mean we can't we can't travel forever and not come back or um come and go as we want but it's permanent mm-hmm. we're still american citizens we don't vote here no, we, we, we've not become Americans. Uh, I'm sorry, Mexican citizens. You know, we don't want to give up our American citizenship, but we're uh, we're a permanente residence. Yes. So when yes. you're coming back I, internationally, then does that. You, so when you're going through customs, you go through. Is there like a do you go through the Mexican custom lane? Being yes, a when we resident? come in. Okay. Yes. OK. Yeah, we go through the Mexican custom. We show them our green card and they stamp our passport and we're, we're good. Hmm. So you would have to give up your go, citizenship to be uh, Mexican? No. Okay. No, no. Gotcha. No. Just curious. It's, and what I, you know, in, this is one thing we write about in the book. Um, we are we encourage people that if you have any interest in doing this, we think it's a good plan B. Because if something were to happen in the U.S. and you know, financially or, or politically or whatever, mm-hmm. you've got to catch all. You've got a place to go. And they they have two type of residencies, temporary and permanent. And the temporary one is has a less income bar that you have to meet. The permanent's a little bit higher, but it's all based on their their Mexican daily minimum wage here, and that increases every year. And and uh, just as you had inflation last year in the U.S. that raised Social Security benefits. The same happens here with their minimum wage, and they raise them to adjust for inflation. So the bar keeps moving higher every year, and that's something you want to consider. Um, if you're, if you're, I would say do it sooner than later if you want to. If you're interested in getting residency, mm-hmm. interesting. It's it's not hard. It's a, you you got to start it in in your case. You would start it in your in the U.S. your host country, and that's just a matter of getting a hold of the uh, Mexican consulate, setting an appointment. Look online at what documents you need to take to the appointments. It's going to be financial documents and uh, and a few other things. The minor stuff, uh, where a pension, proof of a pension. In our case, that was Social Security. Um, and and then you you go to your meeting and they uh, they grant you a sticker in your passport, and you have six months to enter Mexico with that sticker. Hmm. So it's quite flexible. Once once you enter Mexico, you have 30 days to apply for and get your green card. That's what we call it. Your permanent or temporary. Now the temporary visa, you have to show up every year at the same immigration office and, and, and pay a little bit more money and pay a little bit more money each year until after four years you can convert that into a permanent. 
which means you don't want, you no longer have to do that. Hmm. Both my grandparents are were Mexican citizens, so I think there might be a different thing there, but <laughs> I'd have to look into that. <laughs> um, Kevin, any more questions? No, other than I, I just love talking to you guys. It's, yeah. well, I'll, I'll, on my own, I can definitely say that that uh, that that comfort and and fear thing sets in a lot. Um, but for certainly after the first time we talked to you guys, like I'm in, we're planning our transition. We have a couple of kids in school right now. My youngest is starting college next year. And so we're sticking around for that, but I've already told my wife, I'm like, when they're done, we're done. And then we're going to be doing something. And I, and I just keep returning this. I just seems like, just seems, you know, go to another country, live there. You're on less expensive. You got to, you get a chance to ex really experience things. I mean, we've done a lot of traveling, but I want to do, I want to live in a place for at least three months. So, right. um, yeah. yeah, and I love, and it's and different. It, it is, it's, and to be able to, to kind of see, see the culture more and, um, yeah. So you, you guys are an absolute inspiration. And I love your book and I'm going to recommend that anybody who's interested in this field, go out and get it because it is. Thank you. Dense. Thank you. <laughs> There's a lot Thank in it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, the, much. the Adventure's Guide to Early Retirement, fifth edition. Fifth edition. Yeah. Fifth edition. We'll, we'll put yeah. the, the link on there for you on this episode. So. Thank is you that so only much. on your website yeah. or is there someplace else? Can they get it through uh, Amazon and Amazon? Okay. A, and Amazon. Correct. Okay. But we prefer they buy off our website because then we can capture their email and we can have a relationship with them. If, if they have questions about the book or whatever, personally, their personal questions, we can guide them or help them the best we can. Well, and your and your email list is great. I'm a subscriber on that as well. And I love your, is it, I think it's on Tuesdays, it gets delivered up here and Correct. put some photos in and then you're like, oh, you want to go eat seafood on the coast and look at this what we're doing <laughs> right now. And uh, so yeah, yes. I, would, I would definitely recommend it. it is, it's, it's, Which is where... I actually called called a um, this hotel down in Mexico on the coast that we go to Chicala Beach about two hours ago, and I asked, "Have you got a room for me tomorrow?" She goes, "Yeah, you got to be out Friday, out Saturday, so we're leaving tomorrow." <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. We're going to have to just, get you back again for sure. I hope okay, so. Thank you. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, Kevin, you want to take us out? I guess if you have to end it now. So. Put you to work. Put us to work. <laughs> well, thanks you all for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. This is Kevin Kukara with my co-host, Dr. Melissa Katie, and our returning guests, Billy and Acacia Caterly, who have been literally doing the retirement lifestyle for four decades since they were 38. There is no better people to follow if you are interested in this and to see people who have done it and done it for an esteemed period of time. Highly recommend the book that we talk about. If you have any questions, please send them to me directly. That's Dr. Kevin at thechangephysician.com. And until next time, stay well. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.